Hello and welcome to Why We Move, the podcast from Do More Movement, hosted by me, Jeremy Johnston. Each episode, I'll be speaking to a mover and shaker from the health and fitness world and beyond. We'll find out why they move, what it gives them, both physically and mentally, who and what inspires them to move, and why they want you to move more. The aim is to encourage you to challenge your body and mind in new ways, to think differently about health and fitness, to try things you've never done before, and above all, to do more movement. For this episode of Why We Move, I sat down with Ollie Frost. With a background in professional rugby, Ollie is now a coach specialising in movement and mobility. Taking a holistic approach to his own training as well as his clients, we discuss his transition from dance to rugby to his current role and more. His desire to learn from a broad range of teachers and sources is clear, as is his motivation to get people moving how Mother Nature intended, unpicking some of the limitations modern life puts on our bodies. Enjoy the episode, and as always, please do share and let me know your thoughts. So, hi, Ollie. Welcome to the show. Um, just before we get started and get into the, the main body of the conversation, do you want to just tell people who you are and what you do? Thanks, Jeremy, for having me on. Uh, my name is Ollie Frost, and I am a movement coach based in Clapham, uh, and I've been coaching movement full-time for the last five years. And how did you get to where you are? What's your, what's your journey been? I guess from childhood, what were you doing as a child that sparked a love for movement or did it come later in life? And what's your journey been? When I was uh, 12, my mum took me to a all-girls dance class, uh, which was quite interesting. Um, it was a contemporary class, which I then really enjoyed, actually, and then carried on dancing until I was 16, joined a mixed group in the end, which is called Two-Faced Dance Company. Um, alongside that, I played rugby from around five. Um, so I had a mix between rugby and dance. And then at 16, uh, unfortunately, I had to stop dancing. And I went into professional rugby um, where I did no dancing, no stretching, no mobility or no recovery. Uh, and then it's only been since stopping rugby when I was 25. For the last five years, I've been trying to remodel myself based on my um my former self as a child growing up. So, um, yeah, it's been quite the transformation, but it, I think it, it, it was always in me yeah. to change at some point again, I think, yeah. And taking back to your teenage years, you're dancing, you're playing rugby. How did those things fit together? Do they fit together? They don't automatically on a page jump out that kind of, I guess not necessarily physically, but I guess mentally or it's quite a big divide between them. Yeah, they were they were very much different worlds. And then I was breakdancing quite a lot as well. So I guess the competitive element of breaking um, crossed over to rugby and vice versa, but obviously completely different expressions uh, of the body, whereas obviously rugby is more rigid and focused around a particular goal, whereas dance is more expressive and um, it's more of a your own individual expression. Um, so yeah, both were kind of on different paths, um, but both I think com- complemented what I do now actually really well. And then the rugby, so you were playing rugby from sort of 16 to sort of mid twenties, full time, that's, that's life, that's your, that's your kind of training, your goal and everything is based around that. Yeah, that's it. So I was full time, um, you know, lifting lots of weights and very regimented days where, you know, you go into, the club and you'd have you know fixed times to eat you'd have fixed time to train um almost ro- almost robotic uh, in terms of you know you were there for a purpose to serve um the club or business to go forward so um yeah you were very much pre-programmed in terms of your own 
um, training and development. And how did that, how does that sit or did it sit with you? Presumably come from sort of break dancing, contemporary dance, kind of free flowing. I guess you've, I, I know nothing about dance as anybody who's seen me dance will testify. <laughs> um, but I mean, obviously it's, it's skill based. So you need to drill skills and repeat things and things like that. But obviously it's quite a free form expression compared to rugby going from that to such a rigid movement environment was that something you enjoyed you struggled with or you just didn't really think about it at the time because you were so in in the zone in the bubble yeah I think because I was so competitive I wanted to get the most out of rugby I did everything I did at the time so what I thought was the best option to really progress my rugby career um, looking back on it I would have definitely um, counterbalanced that with my own training um, Obviously, as a young 18-year-old trying to break into a first team of a, a professional rugby club, you know you are very much a listen, put up, shut up kind of mentality. I was it kind of crossed over when I started playing from amateur to professional. So there was always that older head, back of the bus mentality. So th there wasn't much of a voice for a younger player or to do something a bit different. So if you were looking like you were doing something a little bit different, you, not that you would be looked down upon, but it wasn't really encouraged. Yeah. Um, whereas nowadays in professional sport, especially rugby, they're highlighting things like recovery and flexibility. They have things like Pilates, breath coach. They'll have a yoga and shut to come in once a week. So the paradigm shift has been quite interesting, actually. Yeah. And um, I guess it's not been that long since no, you were there, not, but no. actually the, the shift in, in all professional sports, you know, just simple things like all teams warming up with foam rollers or, you know, like you say, recovery days of yoga and Pilates and ice baths and things like that and that looking at the science behind it as well rather than just the kind of thinking that it's a bit weird and that's it and flexibility you know is a massive component of your our motor ability to move and it's something which isn't highlighted um enough and it's I think it's got a bad reputation through yoga and things like that which is unnecessary really and because it's, and, and I think it's a great shame and I think hopefully in years to come flexibility, mobility, movement will be a massive factor, not just in rugby, but in all sports. And just before we move on, did was you do, were you doing any sort of mobility and recovery work or was it all kind of games, rest day and then back at it on the, on the Tuesday? You would have a prehab zone before you went to do weights, which would be, you know, banded, um, rotate a some bird dog, things like that. But it was very, again, very regimented. It didn't empower the individual to do much on their own or learn about why they're doing these things as well. Yeah. Uh, it was always in a, in a cookie cutter box approach. Whereas obviously, as we know, as movement coaches, the individual is so different. So to cater for 30 individuals is obviously very difficult. At the same time, I think empowering athletes to do more on their own or educate themselves is very important um, versus just saying, what, this is what you've got to do to do this and then move on. So um, it, it, it's a very um, high velocity environment, rugby, and it's very competitive. And so their resources are quite spread quite thin. So to cater for this is it's difficult in America. They're more open to recovery, mobility. Obviously, FRC is really big in America, and they do lots of work with the NFL teams, the NBA teams. So they're more on board with it over there. I think slightly in the UK, we are slightly behind. We do have a rigid approach where it's the old school, slightly of not open to change. You know, not 
you know so it's also it's hard to quantify movement as a result so s and c coaches keep their jobs based on their performance which is used around metric measures of performance so to to really quantify mobility and movement into something and pitch that to a board to fund that situation is very difficult yeah yeah and Um, i guess it's yeah it's a results driven business the result on the saturday afternoon and unless you like say unless you can show that you're having a direct impact on that it's it's probably hard to get like you say to get the get the input input from the from the guys who are doing the, the training and get bring in new new coaches and new teachers because if the the old school rugby guys aren't aren't aware of the mobility work or the ice bath science behind it that and you have to get specialists not everyone always wants to ask for help and put mm. their hand up that actually I'm not sure I think we could be doing this better. It, it takes a lot to do that. 100%. And it's not just rugby. It's all sports, which are multifactorial, multidirectional. And a lot of the SNC is very linear. It's very guarded. But it doesn't expose the body to different positions freely enough. And that's why injuries occur all, all the time in sport. It's because I don't think the athlete is prepared enough to experience all different ranges of motion. And so what did your, um, what was the process then when you, the the day after you finished rugby, did you know that you wanted to go into coaching? Had you started preparing for that when your career was coming to an end? Or, or how did that, I guess, what were the steps you took? And then how did that process take you or how did you take your body on that process going from that quite linear and that kind of heavy weights and rigid regime to the kind of free-flowing stuff that, mm. that you're doing now? Um, when I was 18, I did my PT course, so about 12 years ago. Um, and then I coached one-to-one a little bit while I was playing rugby. And I coached a lot of rugby men's teams when I was younger. So I was always used to coaching groups and people. I always really enjoyed it. Um, after rugby, I left and then I joined a just a generic um, um, Metcon gym. And that was based around quite rigid S&C, almost what I was doing in rugby. But as the time went on, I started to leave the program side of things and start to look at some more rotational work, some more athletic movements. And then it was just a process then. And then I started to go on and more courses. I read more and I found things like gymnastic bodies and FRC. That was like five years ago. And then it was just opening my mind to this whole different world of of possibilities to in in terms of how to train people, how to get the most out of myself. You know, I obviously left rugby quite um, sort of stressed. My I was in quite a fight or flight person, so my nervous system was ramped up the whole time. It's really stiff around my back. My hips are really stiff. You know, I could really not touch my toes about five years ago. So I left rugby not injured, but in quite a poor state. Um, I was quite angry at rugby as well, you know, that kind of let me, I let myself and I was sort of let down that path of immobility and lack of movement. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, for me, it's been a journey to get back to how I was when I was younger, but also help people experience, you know, and maybe offset some of this sedentary lifestyle and the heavy lifting regimes, which a lot of people undertake. So presumably now when you're working with clients, do you see people coming through the door who are similar to kind of the body that you had, maybe not as big and strong and muscular, but in terms of sort of limited mobility, in terms of, you know, people who are desk-based for 12 hours a day working in the city or something, who have got the hip 
issues and the hamstring issues and the ankle issues and the 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 kind of kyphotic back issues and things like that do you do you kind of see some of those things coming across in a in a same results but a different cause yeah 100% i think that's even if they've had a good training background you know a lot of the same trends whether that's sat down too much in the day so they've got lower back issues and everything around the area is usually quite stiff and rigid and then the skeleton doesn't move that well so they have poor rotation you know people are overly stressed their gaze is always usually at a screen so they they're in this upper sort of um tax neck posture where their traps will be overworked and so it's it's very very common to have the same trends so my coaching now really is split between similar to yourself where we'll have sort of athletes and we'll have high-end performing individuals and then we'll have people with a low training history who you know unfortunately because of their jobs are required to be in one position all day long so it's kind of helping two camps but at the same time it's 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 an overall goal to help people move better and that moving better is a kind of getting them back to doing what they should be able to do at the age of 25 or 35 or 55 or 65 which is pick things up off the floor without your back hurting without it taking mm. 10 moves or getting in and out of the shower and playing with your kids on the floor and climbing trees and and that kind of sense of just spontaneity that you trust your body to be able to do what it needs to do not necessarily completing ironman or ironman competitions or you know running marathons or setting pbs in in the weights room and stuff like that yeah i, I think I think having a goal is really important, but at the same time, we get very fixated on goals and we're very impatient to reach goals. And sometimes even when we reach the goal, we're not satisfied. So it's kind of re-educating what you perceive is a goal in the first place and why you're doing it. And also to be patient with yourself and to be respectful to the fact that if you haven't moved or had the opportunity to move that well in the last however many years, it's going to take time. And it's going to take a lot of time to reprogram, remodel your connective tissue to unwind your nervous system to get your breath sorted and to start to really feel better on a day-to-day basis you know and then I guess you can add the the Ironmans and all those extreme goals on top but the first and fundamentals I'm sure what you do the same is getting people to realize that things should be simple in the day um, energy expenditures should should be good in terms of what you're doing it should be the minimum output for what you're trying to achieve so picking something up off the ground shouldn't be that difficult if it is then there's there there's a slight issue and it's know? it's that the thing that i always talk to to clients about is it's about making lifestyle changes and they don't have to be huge they can be just small to begin with but it's what you do in your hour session with your client once a week or if you're lucky twice a week or if you're super lucky three times a week is going to make very little difference if they just carry on doing everything else the same because you know what you do for the 160 odd hours a week that you're not with your trainer is going to far outweigh what you're doing with mm. your than you're doing in this session so it's about educating taking a holistic approach to kind of rebalancing some of those foundations mm. and getting them set before you add before you layer that with some of the skill work that you do 100% yeah you know i think the sessions should be a momentum session it shouldn't be a um a regenerate or it shouldn't be too much focused around like patch me up kind of thing because i've done nothing all week and make me feel looser in that one hour where really like you said it's the hours in between where the good work's done the sleep and the nutrition you know moving as much as you can relatively speaking um so they're your, your big sort of pillars um 
and I, and I think it's as a coach you have to be sometimes a bit stern with your you know whoever you're coaching say look this session needs to be a progress momentum session not just rely on me or you to try and help them in that one hour because you know it's it's like as you say it's not enough and how do you take that approach into your own your own training so you've obviously kind of got a very kind of holistic approach to to training clients and and kind of it sounds like very open-minded to new things since you come from rugby and kind of almost wide-eyed at the the wonder of the things that can be done out there and you can learn and things from Mm. that so where do you where do you find inspiration to to look and learn new things do you find yourself going down black holes on youtube and just watching those videos is it podcasts is it people that you work with and where where do you get your inspiration to learn and and train i think i've taken a um a keen interest in lots of different subjects i don't like to label or name things too much so it's like for me movement is just it's an expression of the body moving different ways we can call it yoga capoeira tricking mixed martial arts jiu-jitsu gymnastic bodies frc i could just reel them off for me i've done most of those courses and i'm not that i I take influence from the teachers on those courses, but also myself as well. And I feel like what works for the client is most important. Some people don't need to know what other people need to know as well. So it's all on an individual basis. And I think that I think that we do get pigeonholed with our coaching where we'll just coach Pilates or we'll just coach yoga. And that's not to say that it's a wishy-washy approach. It's just giving people the tools and again, the empowerment to do what they can when you're not there. Um, it needs to be very simple and very well, um, you know, delivered in terms of um, what you're speaking about as well. So it can't be jargon. I'm not really, you know, it's really important, I think, as a coach to understand the science, but it's also really important to know how to coach that science properly in a very simplistic way. The, exactly, yeah. Um, and since working in Balance, which is the physiotherapy clinic in Clapham, I've been fortunate to work around osteos in you know spinal specialists but which has really helped me understand more about rehab and prehab and marry the two up between this gray area of injury and getting back to performance and i think i kind of sit in between corrective practice holistic and you know a mix of everything really and i've since stopping rugby i personally get quite bored with the same stuff so i constantly are thinking about new ways to move or I see things, you know, on, or, or I read different books and I'll try it out myself and I'll feel what works for me personally and then potentially impart it on others. And is it that slight sort of restlessness or boredom of doing the same things that leads you to looking at lots of different things? Do you find that, so I guess, would you, would you call yourself a generalist rather than a specialist? And do you think it's mm. because of slight maybe that you rather than you've got a, a great passion for one thing and that's the answer it's actually you you take that view that everything plays in together and everything kind of working together is going to give a better result yeah i think the latter i think that everything has a has a effect on something else so um you know when, when i first did the frc course four years ago i was very much drilled around joint health the mechanics of the joint starting at the capsule and now I've have a slightly softer approach to coaching. It's having that mix between, you know, the nuts and bolts of training, looking at the form of the person in terms of like what what impression are they giving to you? Are they stressed? Are they 
know, hypersensitive to movement? Are they not? Do they need to be motivated a little bit more? Then what toolbox do you use for that person? It's just this constant tinkering throughout the day of going up and going down, you know? So it's, it's, it really is, I think, just experience and it's just, just every year I'm kind of tinkering my own formula to it, I guess. I don't think I can really um, call it anything. It's just the way I coach people, I guess. And um, thinking about you and your training so what do you do on a weekly or a monthly basis when you're not talking about clients but when you're you know for your own health physical mental health how do you mm. move what do you what do you do how do you relax um so i'll do a lot of just general stretching and recovery um so lots of passive stretching especially in the last year um i'll do lots of end range conditioning um, I'll go to gymnastics if I can once a week. So I have a coach to take them um, to do more tricking, which is a non-formal gymnastics um, way of um, uh, training. So it's a mix of capoeira, breakdance. It's kind of off-axis um, movement. So it's not quite linear British gymnastics. It's it's a kind of a more expressionist, I, I guess. And is that for fun? Or That's is that for fun. to learn? Is that to kind of integrate into your clients or is a bit of or is that just you personally that just makes you smile and just yeah it does actually yeah and it gives me a buzz when you know because i did flips when i was a child so it's it, it i i really enjoy just flipping and moving quite fast it's quite a good adrenaline rush but and then i'll use some bits with clients but i keep it quite separate because obviously the things i do usually require a sprung floor they require equipment and space and and also, I, it's kind of personal to me as well. And I have my own kind of checklist of stuff I'd like to achieve in this kind of realm of stuff. So there's certain moves and variations, which I'm, I kind of keep in the back of my mind. But um, at this current point in my life, I'm developing a lot around the business side of my coaching. So, um, which I can come on to at the end, but more about this human program, which me and my friend Elliot have started recently which is a holistic educational program around helping other coaches um, and also working with younger athletes as well at some point. So I think at this current moment in time, my training is probably slightly towards the end of where it might be because I'm just having to focus on other things. Um, but on a day-to-day -day basis, I will, I will move around two or three hours a day, whether that's with clients or on my own or whether I'll go for a run, cycle or keep generally fit. I don't really like to follow a rigid plan, um, but across the whole week, I know that I've covered every base. Yeah. Um, and you're happy that at the moment, you know, I think what's important for for people to kind of accept and that often, I, I again, I talk to clients about some kind of get it, some struggle with it a bit more due to kind of the pressures of what should be seen or what they're told is that at times, training is going to be the most important thing in your life and mm. other times it's going to be like you say actually training's three or four down the rung because i've got a big work project mm. or i've got family things or i've got a holiday or i've got things and so you're you're kind of keep active but actually you're not necessarily training at the mm. moment you're just yeah. moving you're trying to be active and have a healthy approach to life but actually you're not necessarily strictly training at the moment but because work is the priority but mm. then in six months two years or whatever maybe that shifts a bit as these things do and then you can get back to kind of something a bit more kind of fundamental where training is a, yeah, is a thing. I, I completely agree and I think um, there are times you've got to push the pedals and sometimes you've got to 
take a step back and realize that training isn't the be all and end all. As long as you're getting a certain amount done in the day and you're sleeping right and your nutrition's good, you know, a lot of these things can take care of themselves without having to drive your nervous system too hard all the time. Um, obviously, I, I know it's only been five years, but I was from a very, very hard day in, day out, like slog. You know, I was lifting weights every day for 10 years. I was doing contact training a lot. I was training for hours every day. You know, for me now, it's a rest. Yeah. Um, and I love training hard now, but and I am very competitive, but in different ways. That shines through my business side more than through my personal. Um, that's not to say I don't have personal movement goals. It's just... Uh, I'd rather see other people achieve more than myself. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So we'll, we'll come on to the, the human project stuff yeah. in a moment. So just before we get to that, what is it, the aspect of working with clients and improving their movement that you enjoy so much? What, what gives you that buzz? I think it's seeing people do things they never thought they could do. It's like, you know, our bodies are this most adaptive um, organism on this planet, you know, and I think when you see people do things they never did before or they did when they were 12 years old is it's pretty amazing you know and also if getting people out of pain you know like you say you work with people with lots of chronic pain and seeing people be like oh I you know I did I went for a walk on the weekend pain free you know I know it sounds you know, quite easy for us but it's a massive goal you know and or play with their kids more easily and it's all these really that's what life's about enjoying the natural things you know and the training side of it is just a tool to get to those points um, do you find that sometimes the, the terminology that's used within the health and fitness industry, train, workout, is counterproductive and people don't see that actually fitness, health and fitness can be going for a walk around the park pain-free or playing on the, playing on the floor with your kids for an hour or climbing a tree or you know, running after a bus, actually in it, your knee not hurting or your, your feet not hurting. Do you think sometimes the kind of competitive aspect in the industry of you know body beautiful and hairless mm. topless models yeah. looking ripped year round scares people off actually celebrating what can be health and fitness definitely and i think it creates a divide and you know as humans are very obsessive with things so we'll train to the excess we'll do things to an excess and there isn't much yin and yang is there there's always this fire the whole time and that fire usually leaves at burnout and that's most of the people I see because they haven't picked up these signals along the way, whether that's lack of movement, too much stress, not enough sleep, and all these major things just, just keep getting pushed and pushed and pushed until their either body breaks down and they can't really go on. So movement is training, it's workout, it's whatever name, it's just being called names to create social structures and beliefs where really it's all made up anyway. Yeah. Um, so coming on to your hum the human project, and I know um, you've talked or you've you've you know you bring breath work into a lot of your training and things like that, which is something I'm big big uh, fan of and passionate about. Um, so do you want to talk us a little bit about the human project and how that again it covers that holistic view that you have and how it incorporates? Yeah, definitely. So the so the human program is is. Um is something which I think can help everybody. So it's gonna be universal, um, not just for coaches to develop a um, slightly more of a broader repertoire for coaching, but also for everyone to experience movement and breath work and just a, and a more of a, um, a sense of what they're doing in the day and kind of having more things like gratitude or you know, being more responsible for it, being more aware of their actions in the day. 
Um, you know, and it's all things we have to keep reminding ourselves a lot of the time to be sort of optimal humans. And when I was younger, and especially playing rugby, I didn't have any access to movement as such or breath coaching or somewhere to, you know, reflect. So it was always push, 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 push. And I think if if you're 13 to 18 and you can have a slightly different perspective on your development, I think it's crucial, you know, and that's not, that's we're not going to coach people, coach children how to do their sport. It's giving them a slightly different toolbox to deal with pressure, to deal with um, the to injury, to not getting selected, to all these big things, which are massive things for children, which really they they are important, but they're not the end of the world. And when I was playing rugby, it, it was the end of the world. It was like if I didn't play play or get picked or get a job next year, it was the end of the world. And in real in real terms now, it's not. Yeah. So when you realise it's not. You can develop better. You can be more understanding. You can really enjoy your sport better as well because you're not so in this fight and flight state. And a lot of that comes from breathing. So when we're obviously mouth breathing a lot, we're offloading too much carbon dioxide and that's driving our sympathetic nervous system up the whole time. So if we can get children, adults in a more of a parasympathetic state, and that's using exhale more and using our nose to breathe more, we're going to be in a much more optimal position to not just work out and train, but also just live. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be the main branches of it. And my dream next year, potentially, if it works out, is to have our course accredited and have it qualified. So because I think there's a big gap in in health and fitness and because the, the PT qualification is outdated, you know, it doesn't provide the coach with enough broad skill sets is too regimented in a box. And as we know, the human is the most unpredictable species on the planet, which means that it will not follow what you say to do. So you can put the program in place, but you need to be able to deal with things like, you know, their stress, what they're like as a person, deal with what that, what makes them tick properly. And once you understand that, your coaching and their progress is much more beneficial. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's taking the the view that, I guess, like we talked about, that there's a lot more to health and fitness than sets and reps, than PBs, and that actually it's almost setting people up for for looking at longevity as well. So seeing stumbling blocks when you're growing up is actually just a chance. Just it, It's an event, mm. it happened, yes, but it doesn't need to be something that defines you. You can use no. your body and you can mm. use your mind and things like that to to use it to encourage you and power you forward to do to do more definitely yeah and i think for me it's all personal experience so you know i got really way too stressed about rugby way too stressed and you know it didn't i didn't enjoy rugby i left rugby not liking the sport i grew up with when i was five years old so you actually resent the sport you loved your whole life because of the because of what what pressure pressure doesn't exist you create your own pressure so that's not to say you can't compete at a very high level, but it's just having that awareness again. Um, and I know they're doing more things recently with young athletes and teams to help because it's a big thing, you know. Um, and I think it's having that control, definitely. Um, so just um, looking back at one or two other aspects that were kind of on my preset questions. Uh, so mm. injuries, periods of inactivity either when you were younger sort of when you're during your professional career or in the last five years since you've kind of gone into coaching have you had injuries or prolonged periods where you've not been able to move how you wanted to 
how has that affected you mentally? How's that kind of affected you physically as a result? I think when I played rugby, I had a few injuries which kind of put me out for a couple of seasons-ish. Um, I, it was a dull moment. Like, it wasn't a good moment. It was a very flat moment. And again, I go back to support and, you know, coaches around me at the time not giving me enough maybe mental advice or, you know, giving me a new challenge, basically. Because even though you're injured, you can still be stimulated whether that's through learning something or picking up a new skill, there's always things you can do to improve yourself. And I think once you shift the attention away from the injury, things start to change naturally as well. As a coach, injuries have just enabled me to learn more about myself. Um, so I think that's been the major benefit. And unfortunately, I still get injured now, like we all do, it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially when I throw myself around doing gymnastics, but. <laughs> It's, it's really annoying, but it's also, I'm like, okay, why did that happen? Is there a weakness? Is there a break in the chain? Is there something I need to go back and look at in more detail? So it's always an opportunity, as bad as it is, to learn from it. And I think to the rehab side of it, I, I always find so interesting because everyone's rate of development is so different. And it's a chance for clients, even though they are or have had injuries, it's like, okay, let's learn why and find out ways which you can understand why as well, slightly more, you know, and... So again, it's back to empowerment as a coach and also as for the client. And again, taking that open-minded approach that actually it's a chance to learn, it's a chance to better yourself and then mm, pass that on exactly, to the Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, great. Um, okay, so final three questions um, that I'm asking all guests on the show. Um, so first one, where would you send people sort of two or three or four books, Instagram accounts, documentaries, podcasts um obviously this one yeah <laughs> <laughs> but where you either that you refer your clients to that mm. have inspired you that you use as a kind of checkpoint to your learning and understanding yeah. what what kind of drives i think the major book is sapiens so that's that's a really good book about obviously the human the evolution of the human so i think everyone should make a note of that one i'm just looking at my bookshelf behind you now um um, any of the breath books so there's a breath book by James Ness that, that's really good there's one by which I haven't got caught by Patrick McCowan he's a breath coach the as well yeah I've, I've, advantage. Yeah, so I've think, done, done workshops yeah I mean, they're, I mean they're really really good books you know and I think um, in terms of Instagram accounts um, I try and spend as least time as I can on Instagram I've got a limit on my phone to kick <laughs> to, to, uh, to, uh, to kick to kick me off um, who do I like from there at the moment I think I like people like, is it the, the, the Barefoot Explorer, people, people like that? Like, but I think people who push the limits in the right way come across the right way because Instagram and social media is a very like occult, bullyish d domain for me. It's like when people get to a certain amount of followers or engagement, they feel like they can, as smart as they are, they can use that and, mi and m manipulate people. So I don't like that side of it. I think people could do much more nicer stuff on Instagram in social media <laughs> life generally but also yeah yeah, yeah you know and don't say all oh, this this and it, it's again going back to what's right and what's wrong all the time isn't yeah. it you know um i like joe rogan his podcasts are cool yeah things like that like i think anything which is i oh, like free solo that was a great film with the climber yeah i think I, I like seeing people push the limits but also with a calm mindset so it's not just doing a, a crazy activity it's like something they prepared for more mentally really yeah whether it's a big expedition across the atlantic or something or they've really dug deep into their self 
where there's something more than just the aesthetic exactly. or the, They're or not the, doing the it clicks. Got, it's yeah, it's, it's something exactly. a bit deeper and a bit more kind of meaningful. Not necessarily spiritual, but a bit more kind of personal or kind of progresses yeah. pro- progresses kind of a, a good cause or something that, that yeah. yeah yeah big time yeah cool um how can people get in touch with you learn more about your work um, um what's the best Instagram. way Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um give a click so give, give, give a click so um the human program.com um, I, I, I want to drive people more towards that really than ollie frost pt so um i obviously work in the uh, in the clinic in uh, Clapham, but most of my work now is mainly online uh, and outside as well, like 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 yourself. So um, yeah, I think that's a good start. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And I'll uh, put links to all of this stuff yeah, in the show notes so great. people can find that. Um, and then final question again that I'm asking all the guests: What would you say to someone who's looking to increase their movement? I think to have to have fun from the start. I think you know if you're not in an, in an injured acute stage of um, pain or you're not in much pain at all, but you feel like you're lacking some movement, is really just um, don't think too much about it. I think you know maybe I've find a bit of space and roll around for a bit and just stretch your limbs and just see how you feel. You know, and if it's something you you like doing and like exploring, doing things like crawling, hanging squats and things like that body weight movements maybe go to a basic yoga class if you like that or a basic pilates class to start off with if you haven't done any movement whatsoever and then just take your time yeah there's no rush i hope you enjoyed that episode of why we move as always thanks again to our guest hopefully you found their story inspiring and it's left you with a desire to get up and out and to move your body Check out the show notes for links to our guests and their recommendations. If you liked what you heard, then please do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or via whoever your chosen provider is. Please do leave a review and share with your friends and family. Peace and good vibes, and until next time, whatever you do, do more movement.